0: Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, everybody loves a parade, don't they? Yeah. Who doesn't love a parade? Now, you may not particularly like the crowd that you have to go stand in to watch the parade. You may not like the weather if it's a bad weather day, but everybody loves a parade. Yeah? Everybody enjoys the the fanfare and the fun and the excitement and the floats and the, the candy that's thrown out and all the hoopla of a parade. I love parades. If you love a parade, just wave at me or something. Amen? All right. Thank you. Half of you love parades. Everybody loves a parade. Gonna read about a little parade. I call it the Hosanna parade this morning in John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. John chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 12 through 15. It says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, or Hosanna. The word Hosanna means save now. They were looking at Jesus as their king. They were looking at this man, Jesus, as the one who had come to set up his throne in Jerusalem and rule and reign over them. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. I think it felt like a parade. I think people were gathered, people were lining the roads, and here comes Jesus riding on this colt, and here comes all of his disciples and probably many other followers that were serving him, and they're all shouting, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna, Jesus saves, he's here. He's here to save us, to to free us from our captors and and from the... the uh, The Roman government and to and to set up his throne. He's here to rule and reign supremely and and praise God. This is it, he's the Messiah, he is the savior, and he's here. This morning, Palm Sunday is a very significant day on the Christian calendar. And it's one week, as we've already stated, before Easter, Resurrection Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week. I'm not going to take a long time to explain it, but you understand what I mean when I say Holy Week. This embarks the week prior to the death and burial and then ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He's coming, and all of the others had come to celebrate Passover, that's what they're coming. That's what the, all of these guests had gathered there to celebrate Passover. And then it's followed by a week of what starts out as a celebration for Jesus and his followers. Turns into a week that is overwhelmingly horrendous in the natural to look at, to read about, to think about. It's the first day of Holy Week And it's the last week of Jesus's earthly life. I want us to understand that today. He's about to do something that no one else could do, no one else would do, and it's about to change the world forever. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It was on this day that the Lord Jesus made his triumphal entry. And... Although we and a lot of denominational churches do celebrate a season called Lent, we don't particularly focus on Lent, nothing wrong with it, but it is really just a season of focusing and preparing for resurrection, the Easter holiday or season. And so I think it is important for us, Calvary, and today is really, I believe, the beginning of that, at least in my heart, and I believe for our house and this house, is to focus, to to start preparing our hearts. For next Sunday, for the day, and and listen, every day for the Christian is Easter. Every day is a celebration of the resurrected Savior. I, I get that. But there is something very powerful about a holiday set apart, designated for the worship of the one and only King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I think it is powerful for us to begin to prepare our hearts and to focus on this Palm Sunday On resurrection. So Jesus is on his way to present himself as the Passover lamb. Nobody else knows this. Nobody else understands this, but Jesus knows. He knows what lies ahead of him. People are converging on Jerusalem. Some commentators suggest maybe two to three million guests or visitors had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. I want you in this in this uh, moment to picture with me a crowd of people, two to three million visitors plus the residents of that city. I want you to picture with me what kind of experience that may have been like. If you've ever been to Disney World, I know they're in the news, I'm not thinking about all of that stuff right now, but if you've ever been to disney world on one of their busiest days that wouldn't even compare and i'm going to tell you something that's a lot of hustle and bustle and all the disney lovers in the room know on their busy days i mean it's just like shoulder to shoulder it's trying to get through people are laughing and having a grand old time and that's what this day may have been like it would have been everything exciting and lots of people Up to now, Jesus had predominantly avoided big crowds, mostly. Now, sometimes big crowds would gather around him. But when you read about that, often after he ministered or did whatever he would do, the Bible says he would withdraw. He would go away. He would sneak away. He would slip out if you would. Jesus had spent his entire life and all of his ministry kind of avoiding the grandiose stage. But not today, not on this Palm Sunday, not on this occasion. This is the final week of his life. And though no one else knew it, friend, Jesus understood exactly what he was doing. He understood what was ahead over the next few days. He comes front and center on this day and he allows his disciples to announce him as the Messiah. Why? He's moving things forward. He understands everything, past, present, and future. He knows what must happen, and he is preparing for that which is to come. He's preparing for the ultimate rejection of the religious rulers. He's preparing for the rejection of even his followers. He's preparing everyone around him. He's putting the wheels in motion for the crucifixion, the burial, and his resurrection. And from this point on, the week appears to go from celebration into chaos. I'm just helping paint a picture for you this morning. It appears from our perspective. It appears, probably from the perspective of all of his followers that loved him and were believing him to be the Messiah, it appears to go from something that is wonderful and grandiose and glorious and it goes in a downward spiral into chaotic events, it seems. But actually, Jesus was and is and will always be in control of it all. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, Jesus knows and he's in control. In fact, in John chapter 10, a couple of chapters back in verse 18 it says this, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again for this is what my father has commanded. I want you to know Jesus is in control. They didn't take his life. Jesus gave his life. They didn't come and kill him. Jesus Jesus laid down his life so that you and I may have everlasting life and abundant life. Hallelujah. He could have called, the Bible says he could have called angels. He could have called any number or host of angels to come and to take him up, to get him out of there, to relieve him from the pain of the cross, the agony of the cross. But Jesus knew from the beginning of time, he has always been and he will always be. He knew that he would lay down his life as the lamb of God, the one who would take away the sin of the world he has always been in control somebody say Jesus is in control today people in Washington DC think they're in control today the UN might think they're in control possibly some world leaders around the world today think they got it all figured out and they've got their thumb on the pulse of what's going on and they are in control There's some followers of Allah and Buddha and other false gods that think that somehow they have insight and revelation that's going to help them stay in control. But I want you to know every one of those rulers and every one of those false gods and every one of those followers of false gods, they have no no hold on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have no power, no power or authority over Jesus. They may think they're in control. The religious leaders of the day may have thought they were in control but Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. And he had all control and all power and all authority over them and over what was taking place. But God, the Father is on the throne and Jesus the Son is obeying the Father and working out a plan, a perfect plan for you and me. And just as he rode, I'm I'm, I'm about to preach in this room, just as he rode into Jerusalem on that day, on a donkey to begin the purchase, if you would, of a kingdom. Come on, just as he wrote in that day. I'm here to tell you today, on this Palm Sunday, 2022, that Jesus is about to ride in again. He's not coming back this time as an earthly king on any front. No one's going to confuse it this time because when he comes again, and it could be any moment, he's going to split wide the eastern sky. Gabriel's going to blow a trumpet, and you and I, the sons and daughters of the Most High God, are going to rise to meet him in the air. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and it's time for The church to begin to rejoice and be glad because Jesus the King is coming. Hallelujah. He's coming again. He's coming. Oh, somebody shout, He's coming. Somebody shout, Hosanna. Jesus saves, and there's work to be done before He comes. Oh, I wanted to preach a lot of different directions this morning on Hosanna. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me get away from the fact that I'm about to come again. I'm about to come again. I'm about to show my kingship to the entire world. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 16 through 18 says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. See, on that day, they were shouting Hosanna. But on this day, when he comes again, he's going to come with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who are who have died will rise from their graves and then together with them, we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other. So encourage each other. So tell each other. So praise the Lord with each other. Hallelujah. With these words. Hosanna. Somebody look at a neighbor and shout Hosanna. Well not right in their face. But you know. What I'm trying to say today. The devil can try to knock my wind out of me, but he's not gonna stop me from preaching. What I'm trying to say today is that the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is a precursor, a harbinger, if you would, to his second coming, to take his bride, that's you and me, his church, to live eternally in a kingdom, in a kingdom. That is perfect in a kingdom where there is no more night in a kingdom where there are no more tears in a kingdom Where there is no more heartache in a kingdom where there is no more death in a kingdom where he rules and reigns forever Well, what are you talking about? Well, the john the revelator told us what it looks like and I just gotta read it this morning in revelations 22 verses 1 through 6 I'm gonna take a deep breath Then the angel showed me a river With the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Hallelujah. No longer will there be curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no more night no need for lamps or sun for the lord god will shine on them and they will reign forever and forever then the angel said to me everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true the lord god who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Actually, that word soon is suddenly or quickly. I need you to catch this right now. Jesus is about to come back. Jesus riding on a horse. Jesus is about to return to take you and I. And we ought to encourage each other with these words. We ought to praise his name. And we ought to recognize and realize in that land, in that kingdom, there will be no more night. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. And the The enemy will not have reign over us, but we will rule and reign with Jesus on high forever and forever. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Get ready, church. Get ready. If you hear nothing else I say this morning, get ready. Get ready because Jesus is coming again. Possibly millions had come to celebrate But not every one of them were there with the best of intentions. Most everyone, though, was joining in the Hosanna Parade. Most everyone was jumping in on the bandwagon, except for a few religious leaders because they were afraid of losing power and losing their grip. So they were not. But predominantly this turned into some kind of celebration predominantly people were getting on board predominantly those who were true followers of Christ were were sh- Shouting that Jesus saves now, and and people were coming. And the the Bible says that they I'd tear one of these palm trees apart if I thought I could. They they began to take palms and 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 take them and lay them before the colt that Jesus was riding on. They they took off their coat and they laid it down so that he could walk on that. You see, they what they did is they they forwent or they they moved aside the red carpet treatment and they said we're going to use whatever we have to praise our King. We're going to use whatever's in our hand to make sure that we can usher the king to make sure that he can ride in and be praised and be honored and be adored i want you to know something today there was a lot of people there i don't know how many but they were having a celebration they were going to worship their king and they were going to do it right i think jesus is worthy of the right kind of celebration i understand i understand i'm about to get off my notes here i understand that we like to keep calm cool and collected It's a lot easier to worship Jesus in the seated position with our hands folded and a preacher who stays quietly in his place. I get that. But if you went to the sports arena this morning or to any other kind of party or celebration, you probably wouldn't expect anyone to stay Perfectly calm and still in their seats. People would be jumping and shouting, spitting, (laughs) doing a few other things we won't talk about. And everybody would have a grand old time. I just don't understand when we start talking about Jesus, our king, why when we start talking about how he is the savior of the world when we start declaring his power and his presence and his bond-breaking anointing, when we start declaring his goodness and his grace, how come we got to sit silent? How come we can't throw a party like they threw this day? How come we can't create a parade every time we talk about Jesus and say, Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna! Jesus saves Jesus saves Jesus saves Hallelujah Oh that's worth creating a parade over I don't know Maybe Holy Week ought to be a parade week for Christians Maybe Holy Week ought to look a little more Like this day This Palm Sunday Maybe Holy Week ought to look like a day When we declare Jesus is coming The King is coming The King is coming Oh people get ready Because the King is on his way Less than a week later, the majority of these people would turn on Jesus and would demand the same man that they said that they said uh, Hosanna to and Hosanna of would say crucify him. They would demand his life, even given the opportunity to exchange for someone else's life. They would demand that Jesus be put to death. These people on this Palm Sunday were riding on the coattails of someone else's Hosanna. They were jumping in on the crowd that day. They were enjoying the parade. They were having a heyday. I think they took their coats off too. They cut down some palm fronds too. They were celebrating because they were looking For the wrong kind of savior. There were those that. I don't know if anybody completely understood. Even his closest followers and disciples. I don't know if they completely understood. Who he was. But they completely believed. That he would save them. Whatever it looked like. The rest of them. That day. Jumped on the bandwagon. Many of them that day. Just said well you know what. This looks like a lot of fun. I love a parade. Parades are great. I think there's going to be candy and confetti. I'm going to get me some. And so they were riding on the coattails. They were caught up in the hoopla of the Hosanna. But friends, if we want to make it into the eternal kingdom, I'm not talking about an earthly kingdom. I'm not talking about a week where some people thought Jesus might be their Savior. I'm talking about a world where we know that we know that we know who he is, what he did, and what he's going to do. If you want eternity in heaven with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then you're not going to make it on someone else's Hosanna. You won't get there. Now, I'm not asking you to act like me. I'm a little wild. I like to jump and shout. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. We all express our emotions a little different, but I would like to go to a football game with some of y'all, find out how you act there. But I want you to know, you can't jump on the bandwagon of Hosanna, Jesus saves, and somehow expect or anticipate that eternity belongs to you. The only way, church, that you and I get to celebrate with our king forever. The only way we get to we get to enjoy in this kind of parade for eternity. The only way we get to walk on the streets of gold and drink from that crystal river of life. Come on. The only way we get to partake in all of eternity with the King of Kings and with the Christians who have gone on before us is if we know that we know that we know that we know that we believe like we've never believed before that Jesus is who he said he is. That he he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That he rose from the dead on the third day and that he's coming back again to catch you and I away and take us into that kingdom forever. And listen, it goes a step further because if you know that you know and you believe it and you believe it like you don't believe anything else, then you can't keep silent about it. You have to shout Hosanna. You have to shout. Somebody ought to shout Hosanna. You have to shout Hosanna. It has to come from the core of your being. You can't just do it in a single sanctuary at Nine Night Box Road on Sunday morning. You got to do it on Monday. You got to do it on Friday. You got to do it everywhere you go. You got to proclaim that Jesus is Hosanna, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hallelujah. What Jesus is looking for is some faithful, are some faithful witnesses. Some people are willing to shout Hosanna. Now, listen, your Hosanna, don't. as I said, doesn't have to look like Pastor Greg's Hosanna. I'm just weird enough to grab a megaphone and run out on the street and say it. In fact, we used to do that when I was a youth pastor in Tampa. We'd go down to Ybor City. We'd take a megaphone and about anywhere from 100 to 200 teenagers from different youth groups all around the city Pastor Jim Rayleigh was a youth pastor in Tampa at the time we'd go there together all of our youth groups And we'd take megaphones And we had a big banner that said follow I'm talking a banner as big as a section of those pews that said follow me to Jesus because there was a bar called the bar down there and they had a big banner They'd walk up and down the center uh, street there and say, follow me to the bar. And they would gather a whole crowd of people and they would go in drunk into the bar and drink some more. Thousands of people down there. So we got a banner, said, follow me to Jesus. And we had walk up and down that street. We had stopped about halfway after we marched both ways a crowd of us we'd take out a megaphone and we'd start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ we'd start declaring our hosannas to the whole world I'm just weird enough and crazy enough to do it you don't have to be like me but I want to know I want you to know something tomorrow morning at work you're gonna have an opportunity to say your hosanna today this afternoon when you're going out to walk the dog On this beautiful sunny day and and the weather's crisp and clear and you step outside and you're just going to have a good day and your neighbor steps out to wash their car to enjoy the, you're going to have a chance to say your Hosanna. Come on, this week when your kids call home and they're down and out and they're struggling with some issues of life and they don't know what to do, you're going to have a chance to say your Hosanna. All week long and all month long and all life long, if you love Jesus, you're going to have chance after chance after chance to say your Hosanna. And it can look like a shout. It can look like a prayer. It can look like a word of encouragement to turn to Jesus. But it's a Hosanna nonetheless because Jesus saves and he's the only way. Somebody say only way. He's the only way to see the Father. He's the only way to get to heaven. He's the only way to have eternity with him forever. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Somebody just offered me a bottle of water and I'm saying yes to that. Amen. You got to believe it. So, this triumphant entry may have been a surprise to the disciples. It may have been a surprise to the crowd gathered. I think it was certainly a surprise. Thank you. It was certainly a surprise. Thank you. To the religious leaders. But it was no surprise to Jesus. He had been preparing for this day his entire life in ministry. And he has been preparing for the second coming throughout all eternity past. If if you're going to sum up everything I'm trying to say today, you've got to catch that. This day was a harbinger for the day that's coming. He had been preparing his whole earthly life for Palm Sunday, if you would. And he's been preparing for all eternity for his second coming. I want to talk about his preparation for just a minute this morning. I want you to understand how he recognized that he was ready. He was fulfilling prophecy. This very event ...had been prophesied in Zechariah hundreds of years before. Did you know that Jesus has the power to fulfill prophecy? I need you to understand. That's how we can know that this had been his plan all along. He is fulfilling prophecy right here. In fact, friends, he woke up that morning. He woke up and he looked into the mirror. He looked into the mirror of prophecy... The mirror of the Old Testament, and he knew what he had to do. He knew what that day was going to look like, and he was ready. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble and riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt, prophesied by, by Isaiah. He is fulfilling, verse 14 says it was written in the Old Testament, and verse 15 says he is fulfilling specifically this prophecy in Zechariah of riding on a donkey. One of the greatest evidences to an unsaved friend, loved one, neighbor, critic is the fulfilled prophecies of Jesus's life. In Jesus's ministry, over 300 old, in his life, over 300, in fact, at his birth, over 300 Old Testament prophecies <laughs> fulfilled. And he's not about to let us down. There's some things to yet be fulfilled, but they're about to happen. I need you to understand something. If you want to tell an unsaved friend, neighbor, or loved one about Jesus, you tell them your story. You tell them how Jesus set you free, but then you let them know. This is just one example, but you let them know that everything that has ever been said or told about him in history has already happened or is about to happen. You begin to proclaim the truth of Jesus, the gospel message, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Hosanna, shout Hosanna right now. Just say it, Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on, you begin to say your Hosanna to them, and I'm telling you, they will hear the truth, and the Bible says the truth will set them free. free. Now, there's always gonna be skeptical doubters that say it was all just a series of coincidences. And I would just look at them and say, So is the diploma on your wall. (laughs) Seriously, they didn't get that diploma. By accident it didn't write itself out and hang itself in a frame on their wall they worked for it they made it happen I'm telling you Jesus he could have stopped it anywhere along the way when he was tired and fed up when he was past all the junk going on around him when no one was catching it when no one was getting it when no one believed it he could have said father just get me out of here we're gonna to have to get another plan together this one isn't working out But Jesus, because he loves you, Jesus because he knew you by name he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb He knew you he created you he called you the bible says he called you by name He knows every detail of your life And jesus who loved you said i'm not about to bail out i'm not about to get out of the way I'm going to hang in there and I am going to fulfill the prophecies of old I'm going to make sure that the world knows who I am our title today is that jesus christ or the king's coming, but the scripture should, or the text could say, he's coming again. It happened once, it's going to happen again. He's coming back. This time he's coming back on a cloud. This time he's coming back on a horse. This time he's coming back ready, ready to fight the fight of ages of the ages, and ready to win the victory once and for all. Somebody ought to give God a praise offering. He has the power to fulfill prophecy, but I also want you to know he has the power to have dominion Or control over nature you got to see how this unfolds here he tells his disciples earlier before our text go down you're going to go into the town you're going to find there a donkey tied up and you're going to tell when you just untie that thing and bring him to me and when and when someone asks you he's prophesying right here when the when the owner of the donkey asks you what are you doing to my donkey? You say my master has needed this. And somehow, supernaturally, that man's just gonna say, Oh, all right. Sure. I need you to know that donkey was valuable to that owner. That that was his bread and butter, perhaps. That was all he possibly had, or at least it was important to what he had to keep. He needed that donkey. But Jesus says, you go down and get it. You just tell him. And the man just says, yeah, well, sure, whatever. Take it. Further, in Mark's gospel, it says that this donkey had never been ridden before. I don't know if that tells you anything. But it tells me something. Not only did some guy that didn't even know these disciples or Jesus say, sure, take the donkey. But this untamed donkey is about to get sat on By the king. He's about to sit on this thing and ride this thing. And I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, I I love my dog. I love animals, but I'm not, I don't understand animals. I'm not like a horse whisperer. I don't know. So I, I'm not going to say I do this. Pastor Rich watches a show. It's what's it called? Uh, I don't even hardly know what it's called. Heartland, Heartland. Yeah. I'm acting ignorant. I told him about the show. But He loves it a lot more than I do. He cries a lot more than I do. well, I just don 't admit to it, but I watch that show once in a while for my wife 's sake only and uh and they they tame these horses on there, you know, and I know it 's all you know orchestrated and all that. but th- these wild horses can be wild, you know i 'm sure, and a donkey 's even more stubborn than a horse i 'm told or I understand you know and uh Jesus is about to get on this untamed donkey and ride this thing I'm just wanting you to paint this picture it's only this kind of d- dominion over nature that would enable a man, the king of kings if you would, to walk on water. It's only this kind of dominion over nature that would help him to calm a storm or to heal the sick with just a touch or to raise the dead with just a word. I need you to understand who Jesus is. I need you to catch this morning the power that is in his hand. He has power to fulfill the prophecies of old and power to control and have dominion over animals and over winds and over waves. He had dominion over all things fulfilling prophecies of past calling forth miracles in the present and the whole world's about to know who Jesus is on this day and on this day the only way the world around you is going to know is if you shout a Hosanna the only way they're going to know is if you begin to proclaim him as Jesus who saves he had been preparing for this miraculous moment And he's making this unexpected presentation. He presents himself as the king in two ways. And I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly, but give me a few more minutes here. He presents himself firstly in lowliness. Everybody say lowliness. In other words, I want you to to understand this. The king is riding on a colt. Your King James version uses another word. Not a bad word, but another word. I'm just not going to use it because everybody will snicker. (laughs) Just like that. They were used to seeing kings in chariots. The Roman authority, they knew what royalty was. They were used to royalty. But not this kind of royalty they had never seen anything like this. They were confused or conflicted by the picture before them. I want you to know something today. God's ways are better than our ways. They look nothing like our ways. We can scratch our head and start trying to say, well, God, why'd you do it that way? Why'd you? Because he has a better plan. Come on. The Jews, they had had kings before. But none so common as Jesus. None so obscure None so despised and rejected by others. You got to understand, he came lowly. He came in an unexpected way. The red carpet, as we've already said, was replaced with palm branches and men's coats. Some doubted, some scoffed. They were probably standing in the back of the hosanna parade going this is so crazy this just is weird some were probably saying something like this this guy's going to be king this guy nobody even knows he's he's from nazareth this guy he's going to be king there's always the naysayers There's always those who will be skeptical. There's always those who will mock you for what you believe. But when you know, you know. When you've had an experience, you can't deny it. See, on the other hand, I can imagine Zacchaeus. He was in the parade that day, possibly. And he's saying, you know, I used to be materialistic. I used to be a liar and a manipulator. I used to try to control other people. But that man... He set me free. He changed my life. I, I need you to catch this today. I'm no more. I'm no longer that man. I can imagine blind Barnabas saying something like this: "I once was blind, but now I see." I could imagine Lazarus. Who said, you know, I was dead, but that man was my resurrection. He brought me back to life with just a word. He just lifted me up. I don't even know what happened. I was I was in a tomb and, and all of a sudden I'm walking around with grave clothes on. That man, yeah, yeah, the one we're calling king, the one we're shouting Hosanna to, he raised me from the dead. I can imagine Mary Magdalene with all the naysayers. She had been followed by naysayers all of her life. You see, she was rejected as well. And, and all of the naysayers and all of the people laughing and mocking the ones that were calling him king and she shouting hosanna mary magdalene is there and i can imagine in the parade she says i was filthy but now i'm clean i was lost and undone and now i have a purpose and god has a plan for my life i can imagine the maniac of Gaderia. remember we preached about him a couple of weeks ago We could imagine him being in that parade. But this time, they don't even recognize him. Why? Because he's clothed. He's in his right mind. And he's shouting praises to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He knows who Jesus is. He may not understand all that Jesus is about to do. But he knows that he knows. Because when you know, you know. And you can know that he is who he says he is. And you can believe that he will do what he said he will do. I could imagine in that crowd there were some beggars. There were some harlots. There were some outcasts. And they marched along that parade route shouting Hosanna because Jesus had set them free. But the onlookers, some just watched in amazement. amazement, Others watched with mockery. And friends, they're still going to laugh at us today when you begin to shout your Hosanna. They're still going to laugh at you. They're going to be skeptical of you. They're going to point their finger at you. They're going to fire you maybe, or they're going to kick you out of some place, or they're going to tell you they don't want to be your friend anymore. Maybe it's a loved one, a family member, and they say, look, I don't want you coming around if you're going to talk about this Jesus like this, but I want you to know you can't stay silent. You can't stay silent when the king's about to come. You can't stay silent when the king's about to break forth. You can't stay silent when you know that everybody's future around you depends on your Hosanna. It depends on your shout of praise. See, I was blind, but now I see. How about you? I was a beggar, but Jesus became my provider. I was an outcast, but he saved me. And like Paul, I want to be able to shout out loud, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to decide today. Before you walk out of this place, before you turn off that computer, you have to decide today whether you're gonna march in the World's Parade or in the Hosanna Parade. You have a choice to make. Am I gonna stay silent or am I gonna shout Hosanna from the rooftops until the whole world knows Jesus? You decide. You can't have it both ways. There's a parade today. When you walk out of this place, there's a parade. Everybody loves a parade. Everybody loves a parade. Which one are you going to march in? It reminds me of the lyrics to an old hymn of the church. Because the parade, Jesus' parade, this Hosanna parade, there were two sides of it. There was the side that everybody was rejoicing, but there was the lowliness of this Jesus, this king who was on a donkey and facing the cross. Only he knew it, but the hymn writer writes, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. The chorus says, I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Second verse says, to the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It's shame, hear me, it's shame and reproach gladly bear. There's the lowliness Of marching in this Hosanna parade. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then He'll call me someday to my home far away where His glory forever will share. Oh, somebody shout Hosanna. King Jesus came in lowliness, but He also came in loftiness. I'm wrapping it up with this, but I want you to grab a hold of this and get ready to shout your hosannas. Hosanna means, Lord, save us now. It is recognizing his messiahship. Then they go on, after shouting hosanna, they go on to call him their king. As I've said already, not all of them were dedicated followers. Some of them are this fickle crowd Followers. They're about to cheer for his crucifixion as well. Even his most dedicated followers are going over the next week to turn their back on him. Not totally, not forever, but temporarily. Those that loved him and had just fought for him, the one who had just cut the ear off of a Roman soldier, is about to go, I don't even know the guy. It's all about to change. Jesus understands this. I want you to understand something. You can't worry about the crowd because the crowd's usually wrong. You can't follow others. You got to know what you know. You got to know who you know. You got to know who you believe in. And you got to keep following Jesus even if you do it alone. At work, at home, at school, young people hear me, college students hear me, wherever you go, the crowd's going to proclaim one minute you're going to be their hero, the next minute you're going to be a zero. One minute they're going to lift you up just like Jesus, and the next minute they're going to shut you down. But you've got to be steadfast in your faith. Your hosanna cannot waver. Your hosanna cannot change. Your hosanna has to be a firm, solid Jesus saves. Stand together with me all across the sanctuary if you would. If you're getting ready to play, play very softly for just a minute, please. Jesus entered Jerusalem that day. I believe. No, I know. He entered with you in mind. He was man, but he was God. He had a a power and ability that you and I don't have. He could think about everybody in that crowd and everybody throughout history individually while collectively dealing with the issue around him. I believe you were on his mind. He knew the cheer of kingship was about to turn into a cry for crucifixion. But he saw you. And he said, I'm going to the cross. I'm laying down my life. I will be the sacrificial lamb so that the whole world can know because he loves you, he loves me, he loves us. He did it for love. He did it for love and our love for him. If you're a Christ follower this morning, would you just wave at me or just raise your hand? Friends, your love for him, if he loved you that much, the least we can do is be willing To share our hosanna. Unapologetically. Relentlessly. Everywhere we go. We must always be ready. We must always be willing. Like Jesus. To present in lowliness. And loftiness. Side by side. There was a story I read about a young man in Rwanda in the 1980 in 1980 who by his own tribe was given the choice you either renounce your faith in Christ your newfound faith in Christ or we're going to kill you You'll remember the occasion of Rwanda and the genocide that took place there in the 80s and you'll remember all of that but this young man had made a commitment to Jesus and he would not back down. They killed him on the spot. In his room, by his bed, they found this note, this commitment he had written. It says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast and I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I won't look back. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense to me. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living. My face is set. My goal is heaven. The road is narrow, and my way may be rough. My companions may be few. But my guide is reliable and my mission is clear, and I won't give up. I must go until he comes. I must give until I drop. I must tell others, everyone about him and work until he stops me or he comes for his own. And then he will have no trouble Recognizing me because my banner is clear. Is your banner clear today? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Is your Hosanna loud? I wonder, I don't mean literally or physically, but symbolically and certainly spiritually. I wonder if you have a life banner like the one we used to carry in Ybor City that says, follow me to Jesus. If it says, follow me to Jesus, it could also say Hosanna because Jesus is the only one who can save. And if it says, follow me to Jesus, it has to be more than words on a flag because it implies that you're going somewhere. It implies there's a destination and you want others to go with you. If we had marched up and down the streets of Ybor City and we had gone back to that central location and we didn't have a megaphone and we didn't have anything to say when we got there, we would have had nothing more than another party experience like the bar down the street. That's all it would have been. But we had the message of the hope of the world. And we had to declare it. Some can declare it by a song they write or sing. Some can declare it by the life they live that is unapologetic for Jesus. Some can declare it by their prayer life and others can declare it by their study life in the word. But we all must declare, Hosanna, Jesus saves. Follow me there. I'm not ashamed, church. And I know you're not either. I'm not ashamed. To march in the Hosanna Parade. And if I ever have been, I publicly stand on this platform today and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. If I've ever failed you once, I'm sorry. If I've ever had the chance to proclaim you and I didn't, I repent. Because I want my life to be a public Hosanna. I don't mean a public spectacle. I don't mean that I want my life to be something that everybody goes, oh, who's that guy? There he is again. But if they do, that's okay. Okay. What I mean is I just want people to know Jesus, whatever it takes, whatever it costs me. Even if it's like this young kid in Rwanda, even if it means my life, well, that's easy to say here, but God help me to live it out there. God help me to do it everywhere I go. As surely as he came into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, he's about to come again. Just as unexpectedly as it was on that particular Passover. Just as unexpectedly as it was to his own followers. They had no clue. They just obeyed and went and got the donkey. That's all they did. Many of us today are just obeying. We showed up to church today. We came. We love Jesus. We're ready to do whatever he tells us to do. But just like that. He's going to split wide the sky. Gabriel's going to set the trumpet to his mouth. And just like we read from Thessalonians, the dead in Christ are going to rise first and then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. It's about to happen. The king is coming. Say that with me. Say, the king is coming.